Welcome, listeners, to a podcast that seeks to ignite the flames of inspiration and empowerment within the ServiceNow community. I'm Farah Wells, your host and the director of Linking Humans, the number one global partner for ServiceNow recruitment. Join us on this journey as we venture deep into the world of ServiceNow leaders, discover the very essence of their motivations and the unique mindset that paved the way for their remarkable success. Hi, everyone. So welcome to the show. And we've got a very special guest today. Um, His name is Justin. Now, he's got himself over 23 years of experience within the technology space, 14 of them working with ServiceNow. Now, currently, he is the technical director at UP3. He provides technical integration and architectural leadership for UP3 for their customer base and their product portfolio. So, Justin, a huge thank you and welcome to you. Yeah, great to be here. Thanks for having me on. No, um, absolutely. So, look, I think everybody is so intrigued and so interested about, you know, your story, um, how you first got introduced to ServiceNow and, and how you've got to the position that you are at the moment with UP3. Can you just share us a little bit about your background journey? I started out like a lot of people started out, which was as a customer, Um and originally, I was a project manager, so I was asked to project manage an implementation for a retailer that I was working for to migrate them from Remedy to another ITSM tool. So this was back in 2009. So ServiceNow were quite small at the time, so weren't really widely known within the marketplace, but we were working with a partner who was doing a an ITSM maturity assessment for us, and they kind of said, you've got to look at these the, you know, this organization, it's really pulling up trees. It's got a new approach. So I set up all the vendor presentations. So all the common kind of vendors that were doing ITSM at the time um, and getting all the stakeholders in a room. And uh, I think ServiceNow was the last one that we saw. By that time, everyone was kind of really demo weary. They kind of had enough. And then ServiceNow came in and did a demonstration and it just sort of it kind of blew them all away, really, and everyone was like really energized. So, and that that kind of started there. We we chose ServiceNow. We then bought a partner in um, to uh, to do that implementation. I worked with that partner, but because I got like a programming background, I was really intrigued in the in the solution inside and doing the development side. So I started getting my hands dirty towards the end, where I I ended up doing a good part of the development along with the consultant, uh, a guy called Simon Kelly. Um, who was working for the partner and doing the doing the implementation for them, and and it it, it kind of went from there. I that by the by the end of it, when the uh, the company wanted to just use what they got within ServiceNow, I sort of said, oh, I want to do this for a career. So I then went out and looked and and joined uh, and joined the partner that did the implementation because they were one of the the well respected ones and and obviously gave me the first insight in ServiceNow and and then I went from there. Yeah, sounds amazing. I mean, how easy was it to learn ServiceNow? Uh, so I hadn't, I hadn't got any experience with JavaScript. So of course, back back then, you had to build a lot of the solutions. The platform was nowhere near as comprehensive as it is now. So you ended up doing quite a lot of JavaScript. So I was brand new to JavaScript. So I was self-taught, uh, did all the usual courses that still kind of stand the test today, um, read some books, um, read the wiki like everybody else, ServiceNow Guru, kind of everyone knows those kind of things, took tips from there. 
and uh, basically kind of just just played around i mean there was no dev instances or anything like that or pdis at the time so you were doing it with kind of on a customer's environment in the dev environment but yeah it was just throwing yourself in and trying to trying to learn by making mistakes and fixing them but yeah, yeah that's how it came about yeah, I love that. It's like, yeah, amazing. And, you know, obviously ServiceNow, it, you know, it's, it's rapidly evolving. You know, it, it's always got a new features, updates. You know, how can people, young professionals, um, you know, experienced professionals stay up to date, you know, um, to just to make sure their skills are always relevant uh, and in demand? Yeah, it was, it's, it's quite interesting to say that. So I was looking at some AI search capability and and even all the configuration options within something like AI search is probably what you do to develop incident management. In, in the, so a whole process is now just like one small feature set in service. Now you've got all these configuration options and things like that. And the tried and trusted methods of looking at the release notes, getting access on your on an instance so again you have the, the opportunity to have pdis and, and be able to get the upgrades on pdi instances definitely sort of reading release notes the community discuss with peer groups things like that that you you see and share that information that's really this the still tried and trusted method attend webinars so there's loads of uh, in fact there's one later this week about the vancouver release so you've got access to all that all those things that service now try and put out there so that you are you are as ready as you can be to know what's on the, what's coming down the down the road. Yeah, sounds great. And and I suppose you know having a good mentor, you know, having joining a company where you've got great leadership, you know, probably plays you know a big part in anybody's career. Like, talk us through about some of the influences that you've kind of had. Like, talk us through about some of the the mentors or the journey that you've had, where you've had really good people that have kind of you know taught you a lot. Yeah, I have been lucky in my career because I've I've had people who have shown faith in me and given me opportunities. And of course, part of that is when you get opportunities, sometimes you are going to make mistakes because that's all part of the learning cycle. So having people who will give you opportunities but understand that you are you've go, you're going through a learning process and they can give you that support and guidance i've had a few people in my career and, and that's just not on the technical side work with someone in a hr team who is a hr partner and they taught me a lot about hr processes and things like planning career paths and things like that and how to deal with behaviors and how behaviors are just as important as delivery and things like that so it wasn't just the technical mentors i had it was people who were able to give me an exposure to all manners of things you experience in your working life. And, and I, I'd like to think that they've helped me when I've had to take managerial roles or leadership roles or be a mentor to somebody. They've given me that kind of additional skill set. Um, so, so, yeah, mentors do play um, a real part. And I think if you are, if if you do have the, the chance to be mentored you should absolutely take it and and don't just learn from what they tell but learn from how they mentor you as much as anything else so you can then be that mentor of the future to someone else who needs mentoring and and, and that is because it's tremendously rewarding it's tremendously rewarding to talk to people and and say i've given you the ability to do something today that you couldn't do yesterday and that that is like tremendously rewarding as much as anything else 
Yeah, absolutely. And, 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 you know, talking about mentors, you know, people, particularly people that are experienced, you know, want to go down the thought leadership path, you know, what traits do you think makes a good mentor, like from your experience? Uh, certainly communication. So being able to communicate at different levels, I think that stands you in good stead regardless if you can if you can find a way with communicating with somebody so but then but then they'll change tack they'll change tack and then they'll say something a different way and suddenly it'll just click and it'll go right that's what that is that's what that means that's what you're talking about so communication is is key and patient you know patience understanding you know one of that one of the one of the values we have at up3 is uh you know, everybody, everybody does something for the first time. That's true. Everyone, everyone has been in that position where you've done that and that's the first time you've done it. And you have to remember that to kind of say, right, well, you might have done this a thousand times and, and somebody's really struggling. But for them, it's, they've never done it before. So you have to try and find a way to, to, to give them the information they need to be able to to, to complete the task or, or, or whatever it is they, they, they need yeah, to do. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. And it's having that beginner's mindset. You know, it's, it's like if you don't forget that yourself, you are then going to be learning and being able to then, like you say, communicate and deliver that message across. Um, and, and I suppose then you're seeing it from their eyes, right? So there's so many incidents where we can cut corners because we're like, oh, we know how to do this. But yeah. For the newbies that we're training, you know, absolutely. So, yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, uh, people always talk about mindset these days as uh, as a really important uh, tool, you know, in in the box. What would you say has been your mindset, you know, to get to where you have been today? So being positive, I think, being being willing to accept that it's it's going to be challenging and be open to that because that's where you'll get that learning. I mean, we talk about if, if everyone could just download a book of how to be a ServiceNow consultant or whatever, then everyone would just download the book and that'd be it. Um, but it's, it's not like that. So I think you have to, you, you have to have that enthusiasm. I mean, we'll probably talk about, talk about it later, but the, the, the enthusiasm to want to learn is absolutely critical. So you, you know you're going to go on a fairly steep curve, particularly if you're, say, starting out, so people on the Next Gen program or things like that, you know, if they're starting out, then they're going to have a really steep learning curve and you just have to accept that. And again, you, you, you've got to also learn, you know, be prepared to learn from things that didn't go so well. I'm not going to say mistakes because there might not be mistakes. I think it's also important to say, well, why did that go well? I've done that really, you know, that's gone swimmingly. Don't just kind of discard that because there are things that you can do as part of that. I've, I've delivered that really well. Well, what did I do to deliver that really well? How do I make sure that's kind of part of my standard makeup? So there's so certainly being positive, being open to learning from the, the challenges that you face. Um, I think they're the key yeah, things. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. You know, being positive is some people have it naturally. Other people, you know, can be a little bit anxious and, you know, where they're like, oh, you know, things are not going quite right. How how would you sort of calm somebody's nerves? So they do remain positive. And, and like you say, if there are mistakes made, they don't completely beat themselves up about it. Like, what would you what would your advice be there? Uh, you, well, you've got to give them. You've got to give them the right environment. 
I think they've got to have the right environment to know that if they if they don't do something right, it's not the end of the world. I mean, there are there are times. I mean, there is a story that I will tell that kind of one as a was a career defining moment for me that I'm happy to share. Yeah, it. It's a bit of a story, yeah. but it, it but it's so it was it was when I was working on support. So I was working on support and I was doing some um, copying some data from one place to another. At the time, one place was supposed to be the source data and one was one, one place was supposed to be the recipient place where we'd put this data. And I accidentally swapped them the wrong way around. And this was at a time when the company I was working for, the CEO was announcing the figures on the TV about how well that company had performed. And what happened is you could start seeing people kind of running around in the background because basically I'd, I'd moved these files that turned all their systems oh, off, basically. Wow. Um, and I I went straight into kind of panic mode. But the first thing I did, you know, we, we fixed it. it. It was all retrievable. We managed to fix it. And I, I remember the manage, my manager was sat over from me. And they said, you just suddenly went ashen. And it just, he says, if, if I was going to describe it, it was almost like I can imagine someone had just told you that your grandmother had died or something oh, like that no. because my face just sort of dropped. Um, but I knew what I'd done. I made a mistake. I went straight over to the account executive and I said, look, I've made a big mistake. I, I know I shouldn't have done it. I'll take whatever, whatever punishment, so to speak, that I, you know, that I, that I deserve, you know, I, I know I've, I know I've done the wrong thing. And he just, he just turned around and said, you'll never do that again, though, will you? And I was like, absolutely not. And he said, right, okay, that's it. And again, that, so I went away and I'd never did it again. But that also taught, that taught me a number of things. One which was taking ownership of, you will make mistakes, no matter how much you prep, because I'd done loads of these, so I'd prepped and prepped. Owning up to your mistakes, so owning up and, 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 and kind of saying, yeah, this is what I've done. But then the leadership of the person in charge to realise that, these things do happen, and I'd got a, a a fairly good, solid track record of being really, really good at what I did, and that was just one mistake, and people make mistakes, and it's kind of like, right, well, I'm not going to throw just one moment of ill judgment out compared to all the other things. So again, kind of some leadership traits as well. So I think creating that environment where people can feel, okay, well, you've got the support so that we, you can you can learn and, and hopefully avoid mistakes, but if mistakes are made, there is a support network there that can make you say, "Look, this this is all part of the journey." And again, you know, you learn from them, and and you see these things happen, and and they don't and they don't tend to happen again. And I to pick up on the bit about the positivity. You know, it isn't about being kind of it's 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 not about kind of being the rah rah sort of positivity. It's just feeling okay. There is always you, you you know there's always a way forward that you can look at and say right I'm improving I'm getting better I've done a good job it's it's looking at things that sort of yeah the that that's that's a that's a good way to look forward on things rather than always kind of going well how could I have done always better and yeah things like I that. do I love that I love that because it's it it makes it a much more nurturing environment you know for people to kind of. You know, and I think that's perhaps maybe where the best creative kind of environments come in as well. You know, you allow people to kind of be creative and express themselves and be open to having ideas. And, and that's how companies fall forward. I mean, I've worked for all big corporates before and, you know, 
you know, these kind of environments aren't always, you know, <laughs> with, with in line with those. What advice would you give yeah. to people that perhaps are working for some of the hugest kind of corporates out there where, you know, it can be a bit restrictive. You know, you are always kind of watching your back, making sure you don't make those mistakes because sometimes it's not so easy to kind of go, okay, don't worry about it. Like what advice would you give to yeah. those guys? Uh, can work for a different organisation. Um, no, no one say that. Um, I'd look. I'd I'd. So certainly, um, I think there's a lot of people. So when you look at, um, there's a lot of people who are willing to provide that mentorship within the community. I think look for, you know, if, if you'll feel like, you know, there is opportunity in the organization you had, but you're not quite, you're not quite hitting that mark or you feel like you're a little bit, then reach out to the community. Yeah. Um, there are lots of people who do want to give back. You know, they've been in the, the ServiceNow ecosystem a long time um, and they, they, they know um, they know some of the challenges. They they know how difficult it can be at some places, and and they're willing to kind of give back. So so make sure you you've got a a network of people that you can that you can uh, reach out to because it doesn't always have to be with your own. It's not about giving proprietary information away or anything like that. It's sometimes just being able to discuss a certain type of challenge yeah. and kind of get that to say, well, how would you go about that? How would you how would you do it? So I, I think you know reaching out to reaching out to the community is definitely one thing that I would mm. do, and also you know you, you can do you can do um, training you know you, now you've got access to things like your PDIs and things which say I, I, we didn't didn't have access to when we started then you have got a way of being able to to validate some things before you do it for real on on a on you know the customer's instance um, so you've got that. Uh, You've got that capability yeah, as well. That's amazing. That's brilliant. And you know, I suppose part of it is is being resilient, you know, because there will be ups and downs, you know, there will be challenging times. Talking from your own personal kind of uh, you know background, what strategies do you employ to, to kind of bounce back from those setbacks so you don't dwell on it for too long and you just kind of go, right, positive mindset, let's move on. I think it's still important to reflect. I do. And it's kind of, I guess it's one of those things where I don't know as I've, as I've got older, as I've got more experience, then I'm kind of, I'm able to do that because I'm, I'm, I'm less kind of concerned in, in terms of what people think about, you know, because I know it's important for me. It's, it's my way of dealing with those situations. So I always kind of think about, okay, even even now when I have conversations with people, I'll try and give myself some reflection time to say, how did that conversation go? Did that conversation go as well as it could have done? Could I have said something? Could I have said something differently? Could I behaved in a different way? Uh, you know, was my communication at the right level? You, you know, did I get did I get what I expected out of that? And I'll do that against this podcast. You know, we'll. we'll once we've, we've I'll, I'll reflect and go right. Did I get? Did I say that I, if I want if I got everything out that I wanted to say, or did I answer the questions correctly? But I think you've got to give that time to. Um, I think you've got to get that time to reflect. And again, it, it, it's kind of learning. So well, sometimes there are things that are outside your control, and therefore to understand them allows you to kind of say right. Well, I'm not going to beat myself up about that because there's not a lot of things that I could have done differently to be able to change the situation. 
um, you know, that bit is outside outside my control. But I think also there's things that you, if you do that proper bit of reflection, there are things that you may have thought are outside your control. But if you reflect properly, there are things that you could influence, whether that's having a conversation a lot earlier in the process um, and or, 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 or changing, again, changing your communication or getting more people involved. And and those are all the bits that you kind of realize, well, that's what I'm going to take into next time. That's what I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to learn for next time. And, and hopefully that kind of helps build up that. I think it's the skills to deal with resilience, to make you resilient rather than just resilience in itself. It's all these different things that you can do um, that as a combination would make you more resilient. Mm, definitely. Yeah. And, and I love that, how the reflection piece, because if anything, this is where the learning comes into it. And it doesn't matter what stage you are in your career. You know, if you take that time out to kind of really sit back and think, right, where can I do better? Where did I do great? You know, don't let's not forget the gratitude part. I think that mm. plays a huge part in it as well. Um, and yeah, and I think it's great that you take that time out uh, to do that, uh, which is brilliant. And, you know, like a lot of leaders that I speak to, you know, however confident they may be from the outside internally, there's always moments of self-doubt, you know, there's, there's moments <laughs> of imposter syndrome, you know, how yeah. how do you kind of overcome these feelings uh, of insecurity? The imposter syndrome, because I, uh, you're, you're right, I, I think people experience it in different ways. Um, some are, you know, a, a, a kind, I mean, I've worked with some people who are incredibly talented, incredibly talented. You know, some of the things that they can do are, and the way that they, and it's their speed of thought. It's not just their, it, it's it's how they suddenly come up. Oh, that's that's the solution to that. I've, I, I, I'd be like, well, I'd be like designing stuff or writing stuff down or processing all the information. Some people have just got that natural, that, yeah, even then they have that kind of, that 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 self, self-doubt element. And and I, it's it's interesting because, I've kind of, when I first went into consultancy, I was surrounded by people who had done the job a lot longer than I had. They'd, you know, they were principal consultants, you know, they were ITIL specialists. They'd worked on, um, you know, configuring ITSM tools for, for years and years and years. And here was me, you know, I've been kind of doing it for, for what? 18 months sort of two years and and obviously all within one single space it was kind of strange because it wasn't the fact that what I did is I admired their I admired what they brought I admired their skills and experience rather than looked at it as a failure of my own or a lack of my own I guess I I just tried to learn to appreciate when you're in that situation where you're surrounded by other people who you feel kind of well fundamentally inferior to you look at that as an opportunity to work with some really great people and learn from them and try and and, and kind of try and put that that kind of different spin on it which is wow you know I'm surrounded by all this talent that I can learn from mm. rather than going all this talent is looking at me and I'm like the you know the the least effective person in the room I wouldn't say you know I don't want to say it's some people I know do really suffer badly but it's, I, I think it is just trying to think about things in that slightly different way that you've got access to all these people and trying to see that as, wow, an opportunity, an opportunity to learn and, and get the experience that you need rather than that's, you know, you're not as experienced as them. 
Yeah, absolutely. No, I think that's that's fantastic. That is, it's, it's just a, a a great way of thinking about it, rather than kind of being, you know, internally just thinking. It's like, okay, great. Here's an opportunity. I'm working. Uh, you know, I mean, I've I've worked previously with architects and you know, I get told, and obviously I was always from the HR recruitment point of view, but I was always told, oh, this person, give them any, you know, technical problem, they'll come up with a solution like that, and it'll be the most amazing solution that you could think of. Um, but they themselves doubted themselves, you know, they were like, oh, should I really put yeah. it forward? And yeah, and it's, it's I suppose it's, it's giving that people that empowerment, you know, and, and like you say, it's all come back down to the environment that you work in, you know, if you feel yeah. safe, secure, that you can share and can, can express ideas you know you know the sky's the limit really so uh definitely and these days you know mental health is so important uh emotional health is is so important and you know it's it's a real you know paradox for success um how do you prioritize self-care manage stress so you don't burn out you know because i can imagine your role is quite demanding like is there any practices or habits that you follow uh, get a dog to walk the dog. That's always useful because <laughs> you've got no ex- you've got no excuses. Everyone will say I'm gonna have a I'm gonna have five minutes to walk away, but when you've got a dog sort of begging to be walked, then you have no excuses. Um, yeah. I think it's it, I mean it's an interesting thing because if you take COVID as an example, you know the 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 working from home scenario, the working from home scenario, I found really interesting because ever since I've been doing, ever since I've been involved in ServiceNow working for a ServiceNow partner, remote working is typically been the, the, the mode, you know, you go and see customers or you go to the office every now and again for a team meeting, but most of the time you were working remotely. Um, and it was funny that when COVID happened, there was no doubt I struggled a little bit because there was a difference between having the choice to go and and work from home and, and go and see customers and other people. But then to be told that you can't go anywhere was like, wow, that this that's really kind of, that's impacted me in a way that I didn't expect because I'm, I'm usually working from home and now I'm told I'm still working from home, but now I've told I've got to work from home. And and it and it was, it was interesting how that kind of changed the, the psyche. And I think, I, I think I learned, a lot from that dealing with that situation around okay i need to install some disciplines like protecting your lunch breaks if if you need to make sure you do go and have a break every kind of hour just get yourself away from the screen uh you know say go for that go for that kind of bit of walk that that walk and and, and kind of clear your head and give yourself that 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 thinking time because it, it was at that time so easy to just have like the, the days kind of blend into the evenings because you couldn't go out anywhere. You were just kind of sat there and stuff like that. And then you'd, and again, that was weird. So well, that's not changed. Why, why, why do I feel different where I, I it's like my, my normal, I, I find myself working longer and longer into the evenings. Um, so yeah, putting those things in place and those, those kind of things that you know will protect them, I mean, even putting like focus times in your calendar and things like that so that you don't get kind of back-to-back meetings. And I think, you know, knowing when you've, when you've come off a particularly challenged piece of work, don't be, don't be, don't be afraid to just say, I just need a bit of a breather. I just need a, you know, I just need a day where, you know, I've come off a really difficult project. We've just done a big implementation. There's been lots of, lots of hard work. You know, everyone knows when you get towards go live, everything is like kind of all hands to the pump. And I think you just need to be, you need to be a bit selfish 
you need to be a bit selfish to say I need I, I I just need that bit of time, but the benefits of having that time means that you you come back um, more refreshed and more kind of ready and 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 more kind of right okay, but it's not easy. It, you know, it's not easy. You have to you have to give you you know you do have to find means. There's lots of different ways. Not every, not you know there's lots of things and and not everyone can do that kind of stuff. That's not not their natural style or to do it. But you have to find some way of giving yourself that breathing space and that reflection time. Um, otherwise, yeah, uh, you, you're, you will be on the path to burnout. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, it's so interesting you, you bring up work from home because, you know, I get a lot of feedback from people saying, you know, they're working more now since completely working from home than they were when they used to go to the office because there was very much a distinction. You go to the office, you do your job, that's it you leave mm-hmm. the office you leave your work behind now it's like your your home is the office now right so yeah yeah obviously you mentioned about take the dog for a walk and and try and take breaks as you can but not all employers see that right they they expect you right eight thirty till 6 you know you are to be chained to to, to your home office yeah. so how would you kind of like navigate that part do you think uh well i i think well em- employers now have to it, whenever I, it's not typically a nine to five what we do is not really a nine to five job i kind of say that because there are things where you have to do you know you have to if you're doing a technical consultant or developer you might have to promote code in a certain change window that might be over the weekend or out of hours you know testing people find testing last minute defects and things like that and and i i i think you know it it's very much to me that the modern employer just needs to understand that it's a period where things just need to get done and i and and treat people adults to sort of say this is what this is what we need to get done by this point in time and I, I I always talk to my team about in a, in a way I, if you've not got customer meetings where you have to be in front of a customer you can develop on the settee <laughs> sitting in your sitting in your dressing gown or something like that the key thing is if we say that we're going to get something done by a certain point in time we get that thing done so yeah. if you want to if you want to start, you know, if you've got no meetings, if, you, if you're better, if you feel you're a bit of an owl and you feel that I bet I'm working better at 10, I can work 10 till 8 because that's better for me and it means I can do my stuff in the morning. Um, I'd much rather have that kind of conversation and that thing to get the best out of you mm-hmm. rather than it be, right, here's the, you know, here's the rules. You've got to be here. You've got to be here. Say if you've got customer meetings and things like that. You know, you're always, you know, you're always got to be there, there for those. But fundamentally, when you when you try and get that work done, is less important. I think mm-hmm. it's just um, um, making sure that you're choosing the most effective time and when you're most productive, because that's 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 the most important thing to me. You know, if you could, if you're most productive an hour between six and seven, then I'm not going to turn around and kind of say, well, don't work six till seven because it doesn't fit in with me you know i want to yeah. i want you to be the most productive and when you feel that you're, you you can be most happy when you're working and fits in within within your kind of work life balance because i mean that's yeah. that that again is kind of really important yeah definitely i, I like i love that I, you know it's it's rather it's kind of giving people the empowerment of time but saying that these are the tasks that we need to do 
this is the project, this is the deadline, let's all do it together, let's make sure it's done by then. And I think that's really empowering because it does give people that sense of freedom where they can, um, you know, especially if they've got kids, right? Pick up, drop mm. offs and, right, let me put them into, give them bath time. And then, uh, so it, it, it works. I think it works fantastic. I think it's a great attitude to have, definitely. What would you suggest to perhaps, let's say the next gen community or somebody who's literally just starting their career in service now? Do you think a work from home environment is, is as good as being in an office or like, what are your thoughts for somebody like that to learn? You can learn a lot by watching other people. To have a longevity um, in the career, it's not it's not going to be just the technical points that you need to you need to be proficient at. It's the consultancy elements, it's the communication, and sometimes you have to see people in action and you have to experience that. It is finding that right blend. We like people to come into the office for one to meet people face to face. There's always going to be that bit that is, right, well, I know what that person looks like. I mean, I don't know about you, but how many times have you, you know, have you been on a, met someone in the first time after you've only been meeting them virtually and suddenly it's kind of like, you know, wow, <laughs> wasn't quite expecting, wasn't quite kind of ex- expecting, expecting that. And it's just those, <laughs> it's just those, it's just those little, it's just those little things that, Make us more human. Yeah. I think. Yeah. You know, we've been we've been inter- we've been we've been interacting on a on a face to face scale for tens of thousands of years. So for that to then suddenly completely go, just over a short period of time, is you know that that there's evolution behind that. So I think that there the, there is that element of being being talk communicating with people, talking to people. Again, it's kind of learning from people, learning how they handle situations. I mean, I've learned so much from just being in like a workshop and watching the lead person running that workshop mm. and kind of going, wow, you know, I'm seeing how they've regained the room. So I've seen people kind of start to lose interest, phones come out, stuff like that. And then they've just changed the narrative and suddenly they're, everyone else is engaged again. And you don't get that from just doing a, you know, Zoom call or a Teams mm. call or anything like that. You have to, you have to see it. So I think that kind of interacting with people, um, those elements where, uh, you know, you've, uh, that, that having those having those ad hoc conversations are really important because you also want to feel like you, you do get to know people on a, a bit of a personal level. I mean, some people more than others, you know, are more open to that, but I don't want it to just all because you're we're at work and we're, you know, we're working together that I don't know anything about you. <laughs> just, yeah. just sort of, and, and, and again, I think that's more a case of, oh, let's go and have a coffee, mm. you know, and let's just have a conversation where you're going on holiday, you know, all that kind of stuff, whatever's their interests and you get to know them personally. And of course that, that again, kind of makes it feel like you, 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 you know, you're more of a, you're more of a, a, a tighter group, I guess, you know, because you, and, and of course when, when situations happen outside of work, you kind of then get a better understanding. There's a lot more empathy that you can provide because you understand a little bit more about, okay, I, I understand that's, you know, that's, uh, that's something that, you know, it, it would, it is it, either that's someone you should be really, really pleased about, or obviously that might affect someone in a, you know, in a, in a less positive way. So I think finding that mix of going, making those connections, going into the office, meeting people, um, particularly at the beginning is really really key 
And and when you talk about, you know, the working from home stuff, it is based on trust. You know, you want to be treated like an adult, but that's based on that trust element in, in proving that you, you, you're worthy of that trust to say, I, yeah, leave it with, you know, I'll, I'll do these things. But if you, if you keep kind of missing the deadline or not doing what you'll say you're going to do, then that trust erodes. And that's when you start getting kind of those, those things that you need to address. Mm. But you like to think, okay, well, you start off with that trust, you build it, you, 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 and I think all that is part of finding that bit. I mean, I talk about sometimes I know I'm having a conversation with someone and I can tell that I just need to go and see them. Yeah. I just need to go to the office and say, this is not, let's just go and meet up. You know, we've had a a couple of calls over teams or whatever. I feel like let's just go and have a face-to-face. Let's Mm. just go go and have a talk. Yeah. That's what you want. That's what you want from that kind of working from home, kind of being in the office balance. Yeah, absolutely. I I think I I totally agree with you. And it's so interesting because obviously we keep seeing in the news like Canary Wharf, so many companies are now moving out. I mean, obviously I can imagine the rent is atrocious, but (laughs) but the fact that, you know, they're getting rid of offices and they're now kind of saying, well, you know, we're embracing the remote way of working. Do you feel that the new generation might miss out or do you you even feel that, you know, we might not advance as quick as perhaps we would have been had, like we had this kind of real tight kind of working. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think about the future? The working working practices have have continued to evolve for decades. Um, So I, I, I imagine you will get to a point where, it won't be in, it it won't be as impactful as what you think but i but we're in i think we're still in this transitional period where you know you you see some organizations are now kind of mandating you've got to be in sort of you know three or three days a week i mean some have even gone that that to no you, now you've got to be in the office you know we, we, everything there's no reason for you not to be in the office but that Pandora's box has been opened, you know, no one, and no one's kind of going back to, no one's going to back. And, and if, and if they do, I don't think that then they'll risk losing people to, who will appreciate the fact that there's no need. I, I think that's the thing. I think people have, have, have proved that there is no need, you know, the, 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 there's all the things around the productivity discussions. Are we more productive at home? Or are we more productive? Um, and I'm sure they'll continue and, and there'll be a study that I can read that will say you're more productive at home. There'll be a study I'll read that are more productive in the office. But I think fundamentally, you can be productive. You can be productive. I'm going to say, I'm going to say you can be productive enough. You know, you are no... You are you are no less productive than what you were before. You are, I would say, you're probably more productive with this work-life balance of working from home and working in the office. And I think the thing that I just wouldn't like is for people to, um, you know, for people who are coming thinking that is their only option. You work from home, you know, that's it. You just want them to feel like I've said, you know, if you want to have a conversation with someone, if you do want to just go into the office and feel part of something because there's no doubt about it for for the majority of people i'm not saying everybody but for the majority of people when they go and um and they're there you can see the excitement the collaboration the camaraderie that kind of gets sprung up it's just something that just wouldn't happen in a virtual in a virtual world and i'd hate people knew to to miss Mm. out on that because they thought oh yeah working from home is great i get to do all this stuff but 
you 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 would miss out. You would yeah, miss absolutely. out. Yeah, absolutely. And it's even like the small things, like going for drinks after work, right? Going going grabbing a bite to eat. Um, and and that's what you you know what you said. That's how you make friends, right? The people you work with, yeah. you know most of them turn into some of your best friends. Um, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. And that, yeah, I do feel that as well, that sometimes that the young generation might just not get to experience that. And I think that would be a huge shame. So, yeah, definitely. So, no, absolutely. So, and, you know, I think it's, it's really important to, like, balance, like, ambition and humility especially when you're first starting out right you've you've your guns blazing you're so excited <laughs> you know how have you managed to stay so grounded and maintain that humility whilst kind of reaching the top where you are <laughs> uh, I guess that depends who you speak to <laughs> um it goes back to some of the things I said earlier where I I, I really do appreciate the skills of the people who I work with and that is absolutely like across the board, across the board. Um, they're, they're, they're things that people can do that I wouldn't be able to do because I'm, I'm not very good at them and, and, and others that I just have no interest in, no interest in doing. So I have, a, I have, I, I try and have an appreciation for, for all the thing, for all the things that people work to deliver into our organization and uh, there's there's uh, again whether it's kind of experience or or time that that adage of you surround yourself with people better than yourself and 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 you kind of share in their successes as much as anything else and and honestly i think the reason is i get so much pleasure and happiness and satisfaction out of seeing these people progress through their careers and achieve some really great things and deliver some great things. And, and even to the point where they've gone in and taken more experienced roles and more senior roles. And even just to think that I might have played a very, very small part because it's all down to them. It's all down to their passion and enthusiasm. You know, I'm not going to, but being able to kind of say, Oh, perhaps you perhaps do this in this way, or here's some feedback for you. And, and knowing that might've played that, that kind of part, I, I think that probably then is seen as humility from that. But but I don't, you know, that I find it tremendously rewarding, and you know, gives me great satisfaction. So I guess it it probably comes from that more than yeah, anything. Yeah, that sounds amazing, definitely. And I can I can definitely see Justin how passionate you are, and you know, I think that passion, you know, it, it's really infectious, right? So, um, how do you keep like someone who's quite new motivated you know they're experiencing things for the first time um how do you keep that sort of passion alive so it doesn't fit you know fizzle out and burn out so i i think one of the things is try not to try not to overwhelm them because mm. it could be quite you know when they're first new there is so many opportunities and so many different avenues and so many things that they could do i i think it having experienced it you see it can be quite overwhelming and i think part of that is 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 tenant because what you can you can get involved in something then you get overwhelmed and then suddenly you're kind of then it, it then becomes a negative rather than a kind of positive oh, i've got all this stuff to learn to oh, i've got all this stuff to learn you know it, it's it, it's kind of just that just that sort of change in in, in kind of uh expression so i think it's making sure that um 
you've got you, you know they they they're focusing on things that keep giving them that stretch yeah but it's it's not overwhelming to them mm-hmm. and then also working with people to understand well where do you where do you want to go and i don't want to go oh where do you want to be in five years time six mm-hmm. years time anything like that i mean you know um there's one thing that i always talk about which is when i went to i went to my my son's school induction day and one of the things that rang so true was one of their te- the, the head teacher said we are teaching your children to do jobs that don't exist yet wow and i was like wow yeah, that's really true because my job <laughs> didn't, uh, you know, was 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 no, I don't know, it wasn't even a twinkle in anybody's eye. I think when I kind of left school and stuff. So I I I think yeah, okay, you know, some people do uh, straight no uh, long term goals, but I think it's having some realistic goals that people can chalk off and, and and regularly show that they are learning and progressing, and 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 then working with them to kind of say, okay, well, what's next? What's next? what's next and also advising them of okay this is what's this is what's out there this is the current uh you know these are the latest trends these are the things that you're seeing at these this is where you're seeing the demand you know sharing that with them so they feel that they are working on things that are very relevant and and, and therefore things that okay well i've, I've learned this but so what you know yeah. this is kind of old hat now no one needs to know that so it's yeah it, it it's it's giving them regular goals that are stretching but achievable so that they always feel like they're but trying to make sure look you can't you you anyone who says to me i know i know all about service now is not telling the truth because it's it's not it's not possible Mm. it's not possible and therefore you're just kind of like right okay we'll just focus on let's just focus on this make you make you um really proficient at this and then let's move move on to something else. Yeah, it sounds amazing advice. And, you know, like obviously, you know, we're, we're a specialist service now recruiter and I always get phone calls, um, you know, from people that are starting out their journey um, and they always ask, okay, what route should I take? Do Should I perhaps go down an engagement manager route, project management? Should I stay technical? Should I become a developer? Should I, um, you know, like, should I become a business analyst? Like, what should I do? What's your opinion being on, on, on your side of the fence? Like what you think the future would be and what best career choice? Having come from a, an area where pro code was very, very, uh, you know, dominant, you had to be a pro code developer and obviously seeing the platform evolve. Um, certainly, I say the future is very much around consultancy on the platform. There will always be a place for pro code developers um, there'll always be a place for no code developers, um, but being able to consult and th- and of course that can go into any kind of role, whether you're a business process consultant or whether you're a, an engagement manager or whether you're a technical consultant or class yourself as a, a you know in a, in a in a technical role. But being able to get the most value out of the platform is always going to be a very um, uh, a very high regarded skill um so i and and an even kind of um even kind of from the engagement management side and you know i work with engagement managers who have no service now experience but they are just phenomenal at managing an engagement yeah. and 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 for certain customers that's what you need <laughs> they need a strong engagement manager who can just manage time cost and quality mm. you know the, the and the, 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 that's the manage the scope yeah. you know that is essential because that's the type of customer that needs that sort of 
um, that sort of rigor to deliver successfully. Mm -hmm. But likewise, you then get other engagement managers who, uh, you know, uh, can can develop on the platform. You know, they've, they've, they've kind of done their CSA and, and, and things like that. And and sometimes those kind of that those kind of people are appropriate for for the for the delivery that you're that you're doing. But certainly, I think that as the platform has evolved and the platform has matured, customers are going to be looking for how do we get the most out of the platform? Where where are we not utilising it? Where we should be? Are we using it in the right way? Tell us what you know. This is what we have within our organisation. How can ServiceNow solve that mm. problem for us? Yeah. So I think whatever be prepared to do an element of consult of consultancy yeah. around that area and i don't think that's limited to a technical a pure technical role i think it's uh, across all sorts but in but also in terms of right you want to do what you're good at what you enjoy you know I, I, if you can if you can get a role doing stuff that you enjoy then happy days yeah. happy days you know i think if throughout my working career there's time that kind of been lucky where I, I have enjoyed most of the times what i've been doing but there's a few times where i'm going i'm just not enjoying this and like you so you spend so much time at work if you can find something that is really in your skill set um and you, you have a, a natural you know a natural understanding or just just get that then if there is a way that you can lean into that then definitely lean into that because yeah you're a long time working and you need to enjoy yeah, it absolutely and you know there, there's little saying that people say like, find a job you love and you'll never work a day in your life and yeah it, it's so true you know um it's, you know uh, yeah. you know anything you do in life if you don't enjoy it, it it's going to be a really hard eight hours of, of your day yeah but yeah. If, if you do something yeah. you really enjoy you're like oh my god is that the time already so uh... yeah absolutely yeah. i mean i talk, there's there, there's things i talk about you know you go to jobs where you're clock watching where you look at the time and go god is it only 11 yeah. o'clock certainly since i've been doing this kind of role or, or working involved in service now i'll look at it and i'll go god it's two o'clock yeah. already <laughs> you know it, it, again it's just the different ways of saying oh is it only two o'clock oh it's two yeah. you know it's those different things where one way you're going god and then the other one is wow yeah. you know it's gone so quick yeah. and yeah i mean you don't want to wish your life away, but it just means that you're clearly engaged in what you're doing, yes. which I think is really Definitely, important. Definitely, yeah. And then you're going to be focused and you're just going to do a great job overall. So, yeah, absolutely. I think that's great advice. It's, you know, find something that you love because I think even any area you go in, you know, I think you're always, as long as you passion for it, you're always going to do really well and you can climb to that top you know whether it's yeah. you want to go down the technical route and be an architect or whether you want to go down the management route and you know so yeah definitely is great advice um you know i was going to ask you just in terms of service now certifications you know um what what would you recommend for those starting out who are looking to kind of you know start their career what 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 service now certifications would you recommend so I'm always a big, I'm, I've always been a big advocate of understand about, understand as much as you can about the platform because, because all the, all the products are typically a sum of the parts of the platform. So certainly learn around, um, uh, you know, the platform fundamentals, um, even to the point of doing some of the micro certs around things like flow designer, predictive intelligence, um, integration hub, all those kind of things. I would, I would always try and be as as proficient you can on platform capability, because then you've got the best chance of understanding how 
potential ServiceNow products or custom apps are then put together because you understand the platform. Um, from product perspective, um, ITSM is always going to be a kind of focus because it gives you a because it gives you a good ground. And still, the majority of customers are ITSM. You know, they have they they have they have gone into ServiceNow. I know it's it's great because it's increasing where customers are buying the service now because they want to do CSM or they want to do SecOps or they want to do field service management. But still, predominantly, customers have evolved out of ITSM and therefore they've gone into other areas of the platform. So, um, and again, when you're if you've worked in operational type roles, so when you look, uh, still quite a few people um, you see have kind of come through that operational type background. You know, it seems like oh, I used to when you look at customers, oh, I used to work on a service desk, and then someone said, oh, would you like to be an admin of service now? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll give that a try, and then I'm an admin of service now, and then it's got, they start their journey from from there. That is still, I would say, if a good percentage of people where they've kind of come from but of course they've got that operational process then and if you understand if you understand an operational process then you can typically join the dots on any process you know because you know there is a certain flow to it and things have to happen and certain steps need to be taken at a point in time so i'd still say kind of um i'd still say itsm um there is a big um, CSM has obviously been really successful recently. A lot of big CSM implementations. I think that's slowly catching up with ITSM from a you know from a, a, a service now kind of product sales standpoint. And then one of the things that we're doing, um, we're, we're we're seeing more and more demand for. And again, this is because customers have been through that maturity. You know, they might have had the platform for six or seven years, so they've done the traditional stuff, and now they're getting. Um, so service portfolio management is kind of quite a lot of the next thing that is leaning on. But again, when you break down service portfolio management, it's not about customizing service portfolio management. It's about understanding how customers can use service portfolio management, how it is, rather than kind of, right, we're going to add all these fields and create all these flows and business rules to make it do something different. It's kind of like, you don't need to, the product's pretty mature. So you're talking about how do you how do you 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 know implement that for a customer um so those kind of the the ones and of course doing a doing the custom app you know i love building custom apps love kind of you know always even even in my role i like i still like building custom applications um so understanding all about custom apps and um, perhaps doing the application development course is always useful okay amazing so look so this has been fantastic so look, final question, if we could go back in a time machine, let's think back to the future. Marty McFly, if you could go back, <laughs> talk to your 21-year-old self, what advice would you give him? And this could be totally non-work related. I would probably, like we say about the, the, the positive things, it, it, it's, it's sometimes not always the things that you should change. It's, it's to remind yourself to do the things that you did to kind of get yourself where you where you where you are i would probably say to myself in, in kind of moments of doubt continue to take opportunities when they present themselves um and i think also go in with that open mindset to say right I'm, the, the reason why i'm doing this is to is to improve my my skills whether that's personal skills whether that's technical skills um i think i would probably don't want to i don't want to feel like i've got 
like re- regrets over what I've done because they make me the the person that I am today. But I think it is that reminder to say, no, you did do it. And, and, and there are things that I wish I probably would, uh, you know, I could have done differently and probably should have done differently. But would I have had the learnings from them if I'd have tried to, if I'd have avoided them or done things? Um, I probably should have said that, I probably would have told myself that Bitcoin, Bitcoin was something that was going to be real. Um, that that might have been <laughs> that might have been one of the things that I would have said, um, but no, I, I would have just reminded myself to stay true to what I believe and what I think. Um, yeah, I don't think I would have gone around and said, "Yeah, don't do this, don't do this," because say when you get there, you need those experiences, you need those lessons learned to be able to make more informed decisions because you can say, right, well, yes, I did that last time and that wasn't a good outcome. So now I need to do something slightly different. And if I avoided that, then I wouldn't be able to, I wouldn't be able to do that. So I don't know if that's a bit of a cop out, but. Yeah, no, that, that's, uh, that sounds absolutely amazing. Um, so you wouldn't give yourself the almanac, no? And uh, be, be a billionaire or. <laughs> it's too easy. It's too easy. It's too easy. And how do you know, you know, how do you know that I'm, yeah, it, it, it's kind of, it's one of those things where you'd love to say, oh, well, I'd, uh, you, you're, you're never in that position, are you? Uh, if I was suddenly given, you know, infinite wealth at the end of it, how do I know I'd be kind of happy? How do I know I'd have a, a life that, um, you know, it, it's not like everything is always a bed of roses, but I don't believe life should be like that anyway. I think getting through some slight, slightly difficult times or slightly challenging times teaches a lot about ourselves and also kind of gives us a bit of, well, you know, I got through that. I got through that. I was able to come out the other side. Well, that sounds amazing. Look, Justin, it's been amazing to have you on the show. Thank you so much. It's been really eye-opening to hear your stories, your advice, your guidance, and hopefully this will help, uh, help other people. So thank you so much for joining us.